lockdown has really affected the nation and the world extensively, emotionally and financially, and no different for the artist. There was a spirit of solidarity, not necessarily amongst the whole population, amongst everyone, but amongst significant numbers of people. Mm. who were there for each, for each other. And there was a slogan at the time, an injury to one is an, an injury to all. Artists sadly have become used to poverty, you know, used to having as little and surviving on as little as they do. It was a shock. It was a huge, huge shock. And I, th- I think the only thing that we can say that was the most beneficial <laughs> from lockdown was that it it did kind of... Um, get the creative juices flowing <laughs> quite a bit. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, the Cornerstone Critical Dialogues on Bush Radio 89.5 FM. I'm your host, Ryan Fortune. And uh, this evening, we are going to be speaking about uh, how artists have been uh, surviving the lockdown. Uh, if you uh, haven't uh, been, uh, well, you would know that we've had a, a, um, a pandemic for the past two years, obviously. Uh, but artists have been unduly affected by this, uh, by this uh, event, this global event. Um, thousands of uh, artists uh, have uh, lost their jobs, lost uh, lost their venues that they were performing in. Uh, things have closed down, and uh, people have had to adapt and survive and find new ways of getting their work uh, to uh, the public. And so, this evening, the topic is how artists have been uh, surviving and uh, surviving the lockdown, and some thriving uh, to some degree. Uh, but uh, I have in the studio with me, uh, coming in soon, uh, they, they're all waiting to, to get into the studio. Um, I have three guests uh, in studio with me and one will be on the, the phone. I think you'll be very impressed with tonight's lineup. Every week we take a deep dive into one particular topic. Uh, we've looked at climate change over the last few weeks. We've looked at uh, the state of higher learning. And uh, tonight uh, we are looking at the state of the arts, or at least the way that artists, uh, a very critical uh, component of uh, society, uh, have, have been adapting and surviving and uh, some thriving and some not uh, through uh, this pandemic and the lockdowns that uh, have come over the past two years. In the studio with me this evening uh, to talk about these issues, uh, I have uh, on my right, I have uh, Mansoor Jaffa, who is uh, a veteran journalist. Uh, he's been uh, around uh, in the media space for a long time. Um, we're going to talk a bit about that at some point, uh, but uh, he's here in his capacity as the uh, a board member of the Cornerstone Institute, um, as well as uh, the chairperson of the Cape Cultural Collective, or the head. Is, is that right, uh, Mansoor? I'm the coordinator of the steering committee of the Cultural Committee. The coordinator of yeah. the of the steering committee. Yeah. Um, and so Mansoor is in the studio with us. Uh, on, uh, to my in front of me, I have uh, Maya Spector, who is a singer, a songwriter. Uh, she's also uh, been uh, doing her uh, music for quite some time. Yes. Travelled around the world. Um, we're going to find out more about what she's been up to over the past few years and um, and what she's coming up with uh, and what, what the future holds. Thank you, Pat. Um, thank you, Maya, for being with us this evening. Um, 
And also, yeah. And on my left, I have Colin Darries, who is uh, an arts patron, a patron of the arts, uh, a man who has uh, who has been a great supporter of the arts over the years. Um, uh, some of you may know him if you're listening in, um, but Colin has has been doing amazing things in the arts and so in support of the arts. One would say, is that right, Colin? That is correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, he is also the CEO of the New Era Group. Uh, which is uh, one of the, the sponsor of this evening's program. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Um, uh, I think what how we want to start the the discussion um, is is really a kind of a, a sense of where things are at right now. A sort of a, a, a look at the, taking the pulse of it. Let's let's call it that. Um, so, I think um, I think I'm going to start on my left uh, with with Colin. Um, and maybe Colin can give us uh, some of uh, some of his views on on where he thinks the arts are at this particular moment in time. Thank you, Ryan, and um, hello to all your listeners uh, tonight and to the fellow um, guests here tonight. Um, you know, if if COVID was not one wake up call for the arts, and I don't know what else we're going to need to wake up um, the artist. Um, and, and I think COVID has caused, you know, um, quite a freeze in the movement of, of artists, like this huge shockwave that came through um, the arts. And, and what has happened is a lot of them can't even today um, imagine, you know, that, that they would have ever experienced um, what they have experienced. Because, and you know what, um, I'm, I'm going to put it as blunt as that, that if you, if you normally just surviving, you know, and a little storm comes and just take that little bit away from you, you find yourself without having anything. And and I think um, the sad thing of, of the arts in, in the case of most people is that artists sadly have become used to poverty, you know, used to having as little and surviving on as little as they do. And then you need a COVID, you know, just to come as a little storm and take that last piece of bread away. And I mean, I've, I've seen this last couple of months, uh, the last two years, how artists had to put their pride in their pockets and literally call and say, listen, I don't have bread in my house. I don't, my kids are not eating. How do I survive? And that, that's been, that's been a hard, um, you know, call to, to, to answer because you can't help everybody. Hmm. Um, and, and I, and I think it, it, if, if it wasn't taken as a time for reflection, um, to say, but, but how do I allow, for this not to ever happen to myself as an artist, you know what I'm saying? And and that deep reflection, I hope, you know, is taking place in in the minds of artists now. And I know we had the premier before this, and he was um, looking at a fourth um, sort of wave. And artists should be should be saying, so so if a fourth wave is looming, what do we do? You know, and and, and I, mm. I really hope that. Um, that that conversation is happening amongst uh, um, artists for now. I mean, I can speak about the state of the arts for, mm. for hours, uh, but I thought as as an introduction, um, I really hope that we can cover that uh, tonight as to mm. Mm. what are the alternatives um, that mm. artists can do in, in, in a situation like that and why are they where they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been quite interesting to see uh, how other countries uh, have, have dealt with this issue. I think a lot of countries, I mean, obviously, I think in South Africa we have l- l- much greater social needs that need addressing before the arts. But I mean, South Africa really often makes quite a big deal of its artists. You know, there's, there's often uh, a celebration of the art. Of, uh, we, we, we think that we, we, we embrace artists, but actually when it comes down to uh, rands and cents, it, it seems quite the opposite. Um, I'm just thinking now about uh, the, the sort of uh, confrontation that happened at the the, the, the Department of Arts and Culture earlier this week where Sibungile Goma, who is a celebrated opera singer, was manhandled by the police because she wanted to meet with uh, the minister or there was some agreement that she had to, was going to meet with the minister and then he, he changed his mind and, and just blocked uh, everyone from, from coming in there. Um, Mansoor, I want to turn to you now. I mean, do, do you think this is... Uh, is uh, what is the reason for this? Why, why, why do we uh, seem to mistreat our artists? Uh, to some? This seems to be quite a disdain for, uh, for the arts. Uh, from on the highest levels of, of, of government sometimes, to put it bluntly. Yeah, I wish, uh, Ryan, that I had all the answers to that. It's probably quite nuanced and complex, uh, but safe to say at this point that uh, artists are not appreciated in our country and in many other countries. And uh, it's something that we need to address because uh, artists and the arts play a huge role in society. Um, mm. For example, um, I read somewhere that, you know, the addition to the GDP every year from the creative sector is about $63 billion, and it grows by 4.8% every year, mm. whereas the entire economy grows by about 1.2%. Wow. So mm. that is just from an economic point of view, mm. uh, apart from the, the role that arts plays as the soul of the nation. Mm. But other than that, I want to make a point, Ryan, to perhaps kick off um, what I want to say later, and that is that COVID only exacerbated our problems. It didn't start with COVID. I think we have an economic system worldwide which puts more and more resources into the hands of fewer and fewer people. And South Africa is no exception. And again, I saw some statistics about a week ago that in the last four years between 2017 and the present, the people are in the poorest category in South Africa grew from 9 million to 16 million. Hmm. That's people who get less than, or 3,500 rand or less per month. Hmm. I mean, those are staggering figures. 16 million people Hmm. have to make do with less than 3,500 rand a month. So that is the result of an economic system. And if you add to that, you know, poor political management and corruption, and you know, Mm. uh, poor service delivery generally, then I think we have a cocktail which needs to be dealt with. It's a kind of superstructure that we have to deal with. Mm. Uh, And artists are included in this when you speak about these categories. It's not that artists Mm. are separate from the economic or political structures. Mm. And so I think that is the first point I want to make. We, yeah, yeah. we can talk about it a bit later. I don't think we're going to yeah. solve the world's problems today. Yes. But uh, that for me is a, is a kind of a context in which we have to operate. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Mansoor. Um, Maya, t- tell us a bit about, about yourself and, uh, and, and what you've been up to over lockdown as an artist, someone who is uh, in the business of expressing yourself through music. Um, 
Yeah, how, how, how have you survived over the past two years? Um, yeah, it's been extremely difficult. And I think that when it all hit, it... It hit the arts much earlier, I think, than it hits. It hit everybody else in their sectors. Um, I can remember that my gigs that I was booked for were getting cancelled. I think four months before we went into lockdown. Um, that was a lot of, you know, uh, um, concerts that were happening for Chinese people or for just a, a lot of foreigners coming from different parts of of the world. And um, it. It, 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 I think we all went into huge shock months before everybody went into lockdown. And the lockdown, in a way, wasn't as um, shocking as the couple months before trying to prep. Almost like I think we all felt like preppers, <laughs> in a sense. Mm. Um, and it was very, very scary. But also, I was in myself, I was in a pretty good position in the sense that I was teaching music. So mm. I was able to move all my, t- my students online and I was able to earn income in that way. Mm. Um, also, another way for a part of the community that I belong to um, in the jazz music um, space. space, that we had a lot of help from different countries, um, especially from the Swiss. So when you were saying earlier that some countries had a better infrastructure kind of developed for the artists when they were going to go through some some trauma now. Mm-hmm. So we relied quite heavily on, on the Swiss and then there was like Norwegian funds and stuff. So... I, I, I hope that the South African government and other governments around the world can kind of learn from the way that they prepared for themselves as well for other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a godsend, really, to, mm-hmm. to help myself and some of the community to get through it. Um, unfortunately, some people didn't hear about those kinds of funds. And if you didn't have somebody telling you about it, it was kind of difficult to jump to in on the action. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've spoken to quite a few people in the past couple of weeks because we're getting out of the house again. Mm-hmm. Um, and happy to see people, you know, getting out on the scene again. And they're saying, oh, I had no idea. I never even mm. heard of that fund, or I never even knew I could mm. apply for this or apply for that. So if you didn't have a friend kind of on the ground um, mm. giving you the this, that, and the other, yeah. it was very difficult for people to know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so luckily I was able to kind of survive that. Um, but it was a shock. It was a huge, huge shock. And... I, th- I think the only thing that we can say that was the most beneficial <laughs> from lockdown was that it it did kind of um, get the creative juices flowing <laughs> quite a bit. Um, there's quite a lot of art that you're probably, people are going to be, you know, it's going to come with a rush now with all the art that's yes. going to come onto the scene. Yeah, the, yeah the, the, the result of all the isolation and, uh, yeah, and all the people cooking up new, new, new things and new Absolutely. ideas. It's, I, I, th- I think that, I mean, surveying, you know, as an outsider, I think it's, I, I, I've been amazed to see some, some, People really taking advantage of the of new technologies. I mean, a, a friend, uh, a good friend of mine is a is a is a well known comedian, and um, he did he did a show. Um, he, he usually performs at the backstand, and one of his shows, his early shows after lockdown, he did online from his from his living room at, at home. And uh, I remember speaking to him. A, day before or like the just before the show is about to start and he said they it sold 17,000 tickets 
17,000 tickets. I mean, usually that's, um, usually the Baxter, the big theater takes about 800, 800 seats uh, a night. And so then obviously you, you have the recording and then you can, yeah. you can replay it and resell it maybe for, for, for cheaper because it's not live. But, um, I think people, people who have, who've had built in audiences like that have, have really managed to accelerate uh, what, what they were doing or, you know, take advantage of, of the new technologies in a, in a, in a different way. And then obviously you've had places like the Fugard, which is now uh, da- gone gone under. Uh, iconic places like that. Um, and uh, Colin, at some point you you were running a, a, a bar, a, a jazz bar at the, the castle. Tell me about about that. Well, also, you know, in an attempt to to support the artists, but it just becomes impossible if if there are so many. <laughs> You know, lockdown regulations that that just are not conducive to to the operation of such. Uh, I mean, we literally um, created jam sessions just to get um, uh, people, you know, to get paid. You know, but it, it was mm. difficult, you know, because um, nobody want to start a party at night uh, or, or end a party at nine, start it at seven. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's been it's, it's been a little bit of a hard one. Um, but but you know, just 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 to your point that that. I think artists need to understand that that they are in their own right business people, you know. They have a product that they need to sell. And for as long as they don't, you know, view themselves as business people, it's going to be hard for them to then recreate or, or reinvent themselves when things like these happen. If you look at every business in this country or in this world today, had to go and say, okay, how do we reinvent ourselves? How do we, you know, send our staff home and, and then must now work from home? And how do we cut the cost, etc.? And, and artists need to do similar stuff and say, how do we, how do we build? And, and you've said correctly that the, the people that had a good client base or, or, or following mm. were the people that could actually survive. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think that if artists realize that I need to cultivate my client base or my following and I need mm. to have a relationship with them. So if anything happens, you know, that I can count on the 5,000 or the 10,000 people that I have developed a relationship with. Way, way too many artists are just there for the gig. You know, they come in there, they play the gig and they go home, not understanding that I need to create my following. Whether mm. you're the drummer in the band or whether you're the guitarist just there, mm. you got to create your own, your own uh, uh, following. And that has become critical. And it's just shown um, um, through, through this time. Those are the people that has actually survived. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're going to take a break for music, uh, listeners. If you're out there, whatever you're doing out there in the city, I hope, uh, if you, if you're not at home, then you should be out supporting the arts because it's first Thursday tonight and all the galleries are open. People are out and about in the city and maybe you're listening, uh, to us from your car on the way in, into Cape Town. Um, if you are at home, you can also watch us in the studio. We are, are, are live on, on, on Facebook Live and YouTube Live, so you can be able to see into the studio uh, right now. Um, if you are, are not able to listen to us for the whole two hours, you can also catch uh, the show on uh, CTV um, as a uh, television viewer. Uh, CTV is uh, playing an hour of the show uh, every Tuesday at 1 o'clock and also every Thursday at 10 o'clock. So 10 o'clock uh, tonight, there'll be a repeat of last week's show. And next Thursday, next Tuesday and next Thursday, there'll be a repeat of uh, the show. Not a, an exact repeat, but an hour. So if you are uh, uh, not able to 
Catch us, catch us there on CTV. I want to take a break for music now. Um, I'm going to play a song. I think uh, it's a song by Maya. It's called Eyes for You. That would be lovely. Uh, we're going to take a music <laughs> break and then, uh, yes, come back with some more talk. And we're also going to be joined uh, on the phone by a poet. Her uh, name is uh, Gail van Breda, and she's going to join us on the phone from home. And we're also going to be we're talking to her about her experience. Uh, she's been doing also doing amazing things. Is this is this is a, your new album coming out, right? Um, it was released just at the beginning of lockdown. Okay. So, um, some somewhat kind of the weirdest timing, but it it actually served a good purpose for mm-hmm. it because then it got quite a lot of listeners during lockdown, and I think that that's part of the conversation too. You know, mm. everybody was drawn towards the arts, drawn towards music, especially drawn towards movies and watching mm. all sorts mm. of uh, things, but involved in arts and, and valuing it and understanding mm. its value during lockdown, mm-hmm. which was kind of a... Well, yeah, kind of a, it's yeah. almost like a double-edged sword that, yeah. we, that we've experienced. Suddenly people, yeah, finding out, I think people also beginning to find a new expression, like, you know, learning an instrument or, you know, mm. working on their, their own sort of artistic and creative expression. Uh, Mansoor, I, I, I know you as a journalist uh, for a long time and, 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 and that sort of, but you are also a, a musician. Well, um, you, you play the guitar. play a bit of guitar, yeah. Okay. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, it started in school. And like okay. many from my generation, what we kind of did, we learned three chords and then played it at Bryce and so on and, you know, repeatedly played the same music. And <laughs> it was like, there's an Afrikaans saying, in the land van die blinders is een oog koning. So you then become the main guy and people would like request all kinds of songs that you have to play. But you just like have a repertoire of about 10. Mm-hmm. And so you play that over in some Beatles songs. Colin is shaking you. You remember that, that era. And uh, then it became a hobby for me. And then eventually, maybe 30 years later, I decided, no, I can't just play three chords or six mm. chords by that point. So I went f- uh, to the jazz workshop where I met, met an amazing uh, teacher called Wayne Bosch. Mm-hmm. And he had a great influence on me. He taught me things like scales and so on. And mm-hmm. then subsequently I had more teachers started playing in the uh, Rosa Choir as a backing performer. And when you start playing, then you have to play with a group and then you have to listen to what other people do and mm-hmm. you know play in tune and play in time and all of that kind of stuff and so my music grew mm. and uh, through that period I started uh, um, composing some music because I couldn't read it we would sit together a few of us and then just try and put together something and I think in a month's time I'll be releasing my first song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, called Midnight Blue mm. And uh, tell me, you, you, you had some involvement in a song that, that was in a film uh, that uh, won a big award recently. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, this is a song. It's Midnight Blue. Okay. It's, uh, it was used uh, along with some of our other songs in a short film called Midnight Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was produced by Anton Fischer, a former freedom fighter and journalist as well. Mm-hmm. I think you've come across him. Yes, we, we know each other. Yeah, we work together. He's in Pretoria now, mm-hmm. and he, he did a script. And the story was about the last postman of District 6 who comes to these houses, and, you know, the people are not there anymore. Mm. And then he goes in search of his friend who's in Bontyville. 
as, wow. you, as you know, 3 million people were forcibly removed from their homes under the Group Eris Act. Mm. And District 6 is the most visible of those communities. Mm. Mm. And uh, this, this short film tells that story. And then he called me and said, wouldn't you guys like to do the music? And I said, how do you do that? Uh, mm. you know, I, don't, I don't think I can do that. And he says, no, you've got these, some of these songs. Let's go into a studio and all of that. And a few of us went, myself and a guy called Wayne Barkis and uh, Mark Yannicka and a few others, and we, we did the music. And the amazing thing about that was um, that we had to play while watching the movie mm. just to kind to get of the feeling, the of feeling the, and mm, the emotion. Of the scenes, and, then, and you'd start a song and then you'd slow it down and you'd pick it up and that kind of thing. It was mm. really incredible. Mm. Uh, uh, experience for us mm. and so we're so happy that Anton and the director uh, Nadine Kluter yes. also, also did the Ashley Krill story mm. that they won a SAFTA for this uh, short film, mm. first attempt at least mm. Anton's first attempt yes. in the movie world mm-hmm. mm. Brilliant, may, hopefully we'll have uh, Anton and, and Nadine on, on the show at some yeah, point in, in the future yes, yes, yeah. exactly Yes, lots of things to talk about, uh, the arts and, and how artists have been adapting and surviving and uh, doing their thing and managing to keep head above water in these times. Uh, we're joined on the line now by a poet, uh, Gail van Breda, uh, who's on the line with us from home. She's a poet, a writer, cultural curator, and the, the author uh, uh, of uh, several uh, collections of poetry, I, I believe. And uh, she's also the founder and host of Etymotic Poetry and Etymotic Arts, a live performance platform launched in 2016 for emerging artists to expre- express themselves without judgment, generate income, and contribute to the hospitality industry where these events were held. This project took place across the Cape Flats in places like Ottery, Wetton, uh, Claremont, and Rondebosch. Gail, are you there? I'm here, but I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Let's see. Let's see. Can you hear me now? Hello. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Hello, oh, there Ryan. You are. Fantastic. There, there yes. we go. Great. Good evening, everybody, in the studio. Hi, Mansur, Colin, Hi. Maya. Hi. 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 Hello. We're sorry that you that you couldn't make it to the studio because, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Where, I don't know where you no. would sit, but. <laughs> It's, it's quite no problem. <laughs> so, Let's imagine I'm out of the country. <laughs> yes, it, 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 all, it all worked out. So, yeah. so Gail, uh, can you tell us a bit about uh, how the past uh, year, year and a half has been for you and sort of the poetry fraternity in Cape Town? I know there's there's always been a sort of a, a vibrant uh, network of poets in Cape Town going back decades, and 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 how, how they how they've been surviving as, from your perspective as someone who's who's part of that scene. Yeah. Okay, I just want to firstly say thank you so much for having me on the program. Uh, also to all the Etymotic Poetry Jam session supporters, thank you for tuning in. You've already indicated that you've done so. I, um, also, firstly, I think it's important just to acknowledge that as much as artists have been affected, we just want to, you know, share our condolences and also our heartfelt um you know, heartbreak, I would say, for all the lives that have been lost during the time of COVID, um, including family members that have been affected. We, you know, and those that have been recovered, of course, uh, we appreciate for that. For that. But yes, um, COVID has really, or lockdown has really affected 
the nation and the world extensively, emotionally and financially, and no different for the artist. Um, as a poet for the past year, I think, as Myers indicated, it has given one time to be more creative in terms of developing content. Um, you know, as a self-published poet, I have worked on compiling probably about 250 poems that I've worked on during this time. So the time not being live on stage or even creating the events has, uh, you know, given you opportunity to be creative. Um, I think that's maybe something that we as artists appreciate of this time is that we are creative in nature. And I do believe that even in this difficult time that that creative nature uh, does help to find a way through the mayhem that we are currently finding ourselves in. Um, mm. Added to that, I think uh, it's also important, at least for me, I had a lot of support uh, during this time uh, with a family or friends, you know, that was able to, you know, be almost like a cushion during the time when there's no income generating from the process that, mm. has, that we have been finding ourselves in. That is not always apparent for everybody. Um, you know, you hear stories where people have sold the equipment or people are asking when is Etomate coming back. And obviously, mm -hmm. as Colin has also indicated, to run an operation, say, from seven to nine, it is just practically impossible because these logistics that goes into it, the setting up already takes about two hours. The, putting the place, you know, all the equipment down is another hour and mm -hmm. so, and then there's still the program in between. So practically, that's just been difficult to actually hold most um, such events, you know, live events during mm. the lockdown mm. period, with the uncertainty, obviously, of what time lockdown is, is it 12 o'clock curfew or 9 o'clock curfew or, you know, midnight curfew and so forth. Mm. So, yes, um, for up until December 2020, the poetry events that I was, I was well, that I was did, um, you until know, so happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. Until the end of last yeah. year. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, until the end of last year. And then, like, remember, then the curfew was changed again. Mm -hmm. And there was the sort of, I think it was the second wave that came through that time, or was mm -hmm. the third wave. And, you know, there was just this anxiety, you know, when you have these events, of course, you, this protocol in place. And, of course, as an organizer and a poet myself, you know, you ensure that you, you know, try to maintain the protocol that is in place. Mm. But sometimes it is anxiety-provoking when there is, you know, about 50-plus people in the space. Mm. So I think from my, for my own decision, my own decision was that, you know, until there's some form of stability or an alternative, um, I didn't have any um, events this year mm. uh, for that reason and specifically linked to the fact of the lockdown and the curfew. Mm. So I, I don't think I am significantly alone in this process. I think many artists have uh, had, if not less, no work at all during this time, mm. um, given the impact of COVID, you know, mm. not of COVID, but of the lockdown yeah. process. Okay, I just want to stop you there. Um, uh, uh, you, sure. you, you also used last year to, uh, you contributed in some form to uh, a program at at Cornerstone, uh, the yes. arts management uh, yes. course at Cornerstone. Can you tell me a bit about that? I can definitely do so. Um, that's one example of how, how
how there are pockets of, of institutions and people that have created some form of stability or support, you know, to ensure that there is still income being generated through a process, mm-hmm. um, given lockdown, to artists. So, yes, I was involved with um, compiling an arts management module, one and two, for Cornerstone Institute. The whole intent was that, as I think it was Colin that also mentioned, that Artists must also realize that they are business people or mm. that they have, there is a business component to being an artist. Mm. So the whole intent of the course was to, to upskill artists in the, the, the management of arts, you know. Um, not necessarily also artists, but event managers or any people that is within the arts industry. So it was a quite um, exciting project that we worked on in terms of making it current, making it relevant, thinking of how, or at least trying to think how artists are thinking and trying to to put a course together that is impactful at the end of the day that artists can take back and take with him. So you're saying that right now if you're an artist and you want to upskill yourself and learn more about the business side of the yes. arts, you, you can uh, go to Cornerstone and actually apply and, and actually do a course that will that will improve your business your business skills. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. It is, it is absolutely a course that all artists or art, uh, people in the arts Practicing, industry yeah. should consider to do, yes. Fantastic. Gail, thank you so much. I'm going to uh, play one of your poems uh, so that people, uh, people can hear what, what your poetry sounds like. Um, and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna take a break for uh, the, the poem and then I'll come back to you. We'll come back to you, I think, uh, a bit later in the show. But, uh, this is, a, this is a poem by Gail von Breda, who is a poet. She's, she's talking to us from home and we're gonna catch up with her a bit later. But here is the poem. Thank you. Praise to the storyteller, poet, musician, painter, dancer, the patron of the arts. Praise to all the creators giving us a new lease on life. Praise to self-expression without judgment, to courage and willpower against all odds. Praise to the creator born with a gift, the gift to create, to be the voice of the voiceless. The storyteller many could identify with. The sound of joy and hope. The safe space. Comfort when all else seems helpless and lost. Praise to the creator with no fear, without distraction. With strength and confidence to create. Not for themselves, but for the people. For a world that needs it most. Praise to the unsung heroes and heroines perfecting their craft without economic gain. This cannot be in vain. Praise to the creators. They are the true heartbeat, keeping us alive through our troubled times. They are our joy, our peace, our rest. Praises to the creators of today, tomorrow. And our past. We salute you. That is a poem by Gail von Breda, an ode really to the artists in our communities, in society, the ones who give us, uh, who inspire us to keep going, carry on another day, even when things may look dark. 
uh, art in the world, as uh, they have seen have seemed to be that way um, very often over the last couple of years. Lots of uh, lives lost to a global pandemic, jobs lost, uh, families, uh, relationships uh, put under enormous strain because we often don't know how to live together. Sometimes you know, and so we were stuck in, in stuck with people. And having to navigate a new terrain in relationships uh, with ourselves and with with others. Um, yeah. So, uh, listeners, uh, this is the Cornerstone Critical Dialogues, Episode Five. If you are at home, or if you are on the road, if you are uh, somewhere and listening, we're talking about uh, the state of the arts and how artists uh, have been surviving and uh, getting through this pandemic. Um, and the, the the ways that uh, that they've adapted or have been forced to adapt and 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 and, and that sort of thing. Um, in the next uh, hour, we're going to talk a bit more about solutions, and I think we want to talk more, uh, have a sort of take a more forward-looking uh, perspective, where we look at uh, new technologies, perhaps, or new collaborations, new new programs of support uh, for artists. Um, uh, in the coming months and years, um, we 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 are now. I think uh, this, the October, November, November. November. So where where has the year gone? It's flown by so fast. Um, November, almost December. The year is almost done. Um, uh, but it seems as if there's a sort of a new energy, I would guess, uh, coming out uh, with uh, the lifting of, of the lockdowns. And also, um, I was listening, to, I heard on the radio today that uh, we see uh, fewer than a thousand active cases in the Western, in the Western Cape of COVID. So things are looking positive. Uh, hopefully, the Premier's uh, prognosis of a fourth fifth lockdown won't come true and people will be able to enjoy um, going out again uh, uh, Colin how, how do you how do you feel what, what do you see happening do you feel that there's a, a new energy do you, do you are you being approached by people to put on gigs or what's going on on your side I, I can tell you that people are just eager to be on stage right now everybody <laughs> wants to be out everybody is is out at the moment and, and I think that that's very positive but there, there's an abusive side to this too because you have the restaurant owners and the club owners that uses the very COVID as an excuse now to pay the people like under the belt, you know what I'm saying? And they will just tell them, listen, we, we're trying to make up for the losses that we've we've made during during the COVID period, so we can't pay you. So so these guys are now not paying, uh, uh, um, playing, you know, um, the right to income. The- They're mm. actually just playing because they need to be on stage. That's the, the creative juices flowing. You know what mm. I'm saying? And that, that abusive situation is so sad because it doesn't make it any better for, for the artist. Mm. But there's an excitement. Um, and I believe that, that things uh, must get better um, as we get to understand, you know, what, what is wrong. And we'll talk about that later on. Mm. And what are the possible solutions? Um, I believe that that this shock um, of COVID um, will give us new perspectives um, on on mm. the arts and and the future of it. Mm. So, so I used. I mean, the the, the the venue where you had the the jazz club, the castle. I mean, such yeah. an iconic uh, venue. So, were you saying we might? You, would you bring that back at some point? We would like to. You know, um, as soon as we, the, the borders are open and everybody, and the tourists are coming back to mm. to Cape Town. I mean, there's a lot of venues that. I mean, the crypt has closed down, which was a um, quite a 
central venue mm. uh, in Cape Town, and so so did many um, other venues. And and we're really hoping once once things normalise, you know, to it must make business sense, obviously, to mm. to open a venue, um, you know, and people must be able to make money so that you can pay the artists and pay the staff, etc. Mm. Um, and and we're really hoping that 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 will happen soon. Maya, <clears throat> I believe you are. Have a show lined up at some point uh, in the next few weeks. Can you tell us a bit about that? I do. I think you know, as as Colin was saying, we're quite eager, all of us, to get in on the, uh, um, letting everybody into the the mindset that we've had over the past couple of years. It's mm. been a couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My sense of time has kind of flown out the window. Mm. Um, I do Just have, <laughs> I do definitely have a show coming up and it's on the 20th of November um, it's going to be filmed live at the Penny Lane Studios mm. and the streaming tickets are all, there's still quite a lot of streaming tickets available as streaming tickets, that's the nature of them you can kind of buy unlimited amount of tickets um, the seated show however is running low on, on seats so if you'd like to book them you have to make them quite quickly. Um, I am Working, I'm going to be playing some of my material from my album that I released, and then some new songs that I wrote in lockdown. Hmm. So you'll kind tell, of uh, t- tell me what is the show called? Is it the same name as the album? Uh, so, just, so it's a combination of the album and lockdown. So it's my album's name is Honey and Heartache. So okay. the show is called Honey, Heartache, and Lockdown. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's giving people that already kind of know a little bit about my life mm-hmm. um, and where I came from and the heartache and the love that I've had in the past and kind of adding to that dish now and seeing what I've been up to in the past two years. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to keep ourselves entertained as well. Exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, on the 20th of November, the streaming tickets are 70 Rand. Um, and I believe that gets you two viewings of the show. It's going to be streamed live on the 20th and then you can also get access to that ticket after the the live show has gone out and the seated tickets are 120 rand so it's going to be amazing i'm very very excited i've got my band back together um incredible cape town musicians that you know are also eager to play Mm. um and the gig itself is um very exciting because it's a sponsored event by the Mobility Fund, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a bunch of sponsors put together. So it's uh, the Samrao Foundation, um, it's the Norwegian Embassy, mm. it's the, oh gosh, so many people, um, Concerts SA, and uh, we've partnered up with Cornerstone. Um, mm. So a portion yeah. of the proceeds go to their bursary fund, mm. and so very um, excited I, I about believe, that. I, I believe some some. What is that percentage? I, I, the, do you really want to know? The, it's fifty percent. So um, wow. I'm very happy to hand that over because Cornerstone has been really kind, and um, the people on the Cornerstone team, especially mm. Noel, has supported me for such a long time mm. and um, been a big fan of the kind of stuff that I do Mm. Um, and they've said that if I raise enough money it's going to go and be part of this bursary fund well obviously it's going to go towards the bursary fund but if we raise enough money mm, there's a secret there (laughs) I don't know if I'm allowed to say it but if we raise enough money uh, I could get a bursary 
maybe named after me. Uh-huh. Um, so there's that. And then also with the Daily Voice. So they heard about the mm. initiative about the bursary fund. So they've also climbed on as a partner. So that's brilliant. really, really exciting. Brilliant, brilliant. So uh, listeners, uh, viewers, if you're at home and you want to support not only the arts, but also education absolutely, uh, at the same time, Go to Quicket. Quicket. It's Quicket, on Quicket. Yeah. And the show is called Honey, Heartache and Lockdown. Mm-hmm. Or you can just but, look up my name, Maya Spectre. Yeah, just look for Maya Spectre and uh, you'll find the tickets there. They're going for 70 Rand and that gets you two streamings. Yes, it does. Right? Yeah. Um, and the tickets for the live show at Penny Lane Studios are 120 Rand. Yes, they're and very few. So Get in on the action if that's okay. what you feel in for. Okay. <laughs> so there you go, listeners and viewers at home. If you want to be supportive, and we know that the arts need uh, a major support right now to come out of the slump of the past two years. Um, and so there you, there's an opportunity for you to uh, put your money where your mouth is, yeah. uh, not not just uh, sit back and, and uh, yeah, and be supportive of, of the the people that, that, that keep us alive in spirit. The album was call, is called Honey and Heartache and the con- Concert is honey, heartache, and lockdown. Honey. The adventures of Maya continue. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It, uh, uh, tell me, Maya, who, who is your uh, inspiration? Your musical inspiration? Do you have? Uh, do you have a, a particular a person? Particular person? Who, who, who um, I've had so much. Uh, Colin no. Darius. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying earlier that you know Colin is also an incredible guitarist. He's given a lot of opportunities to to myself as well with the cultural the Cape Town Cultural Collective as well, you know. I've played with both of these wonderful gentlemen at one point in my career. Um in terms of inspiration, I'm trying so hard to be myself. I'm trying so hard. It's it's um You're winning at it. Yeah, I'm 38 now and I'm starting to believe in my own um, but over the years, I've listened to the greats, you know, especially in jazz. Uh, uh, my favorite jazz singer is Sarah Vaughan because she's that perfect mix for me of the playful of Ella yeah. and the sadness of Billy and the yeah. seriousness of like our serious instrumentalist. Mm. That's Sarah Vaughan to me. Um, and she's got the honey, the heartache. <laughs> <laughs> and the chops. Um, yeah, and then other things. I also come from a musical theater background. So mm. I have that whole like essence of wanting to be a big performance thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't lie, a little bit of Julie Andrews is in there too. Um, yeah, mm. but... but um, I'm trying very hard to be my own person <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> so... Uh, I can't really answer that. I've had an exposure to a lot of different kinds of music from mm. all sorts of cultures around the world. And I think that's kind of reflective in the kind of music that I make. Mm. It's not particularly from any particular location or mm. place, but it's a, I hope it has a sort of a global sound mm, to mm, it. Mm. It will yeah. resonate with people who maybe come from a particular era in, 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 in the world, in, in world history, yeah. uh, I, would, I would guess. I mean, I remember grow, watching Julie Andrews growing up, so I mean, we all have that sort of... Yeah, sort she's of, hip, uh, man. Uh, she's uh, hip. Uh, Ryan, may I say that if your listeners did not see Maya perform, <laughs> they have not seen real oh, music. Oh, thanks. Mm, mm. Okay, so the 20th of November. 
Yeah. 20th of November. There you heard it, listeners. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get out and about, uh, well, well, you don't have to even get out and about. You can, you can watch it online these days. And uh, in doing so, you'll be entertained, you'll be inspired, you will also maybe have your heart soothed a bit, you know. Yeah, uh, you don't have to change your pants. That's yeah. the most exciting part. <laughs> That's a brilliant thing. <laughs> and you'll be supporting the arts and education. So, so go out there, but go into cricket and buy those tickets and, 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 and support uh, support Maya and the music and Cornerstone at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to turn now to um, the question of uh, solutions. So we, we, we understand that we've come through this terrible time, which seems to be lifting. We're not 100% sure that things are going to change, but they seem to be. It feels that way. There's a new spirit in the air. People are out and about. The, 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 the pandemic, the virus seems to be receding. We are reaching some kind of herd immunity, I, I would presume. Um, although not to be too complacent because there are things like variants and, and all that sort of thing. But it seems to be that uh, we're coming out of the, 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 the gloom of the past two years. And, and so I want to look in the next hour of the show at uh, various ways and, and, and means that, uh, that, that point to some kind of solutions, uh, sol- solutions and, and new initiatives that have uh, come to the fore in the, in the last while. Um, Mansur, do you, are, are you, what's happening? I mean, you, you at the Cape Cultural Collective, which has also been a great, uh, boon and support for the artists, uh, mm. but, but what else is there out there? Well, uh, Ryan, you know, when people ask you this question, you know, about answers and solutions, I always say that if I knew, then I'd be a very wealthy consultant. <laughs> so, uh, we don't have all the answers, but, I think the one thing that I'm convinced of, we can't go back to where we were mm-hmm. because I work from the premise that even before COVID, we uh, had a lot of social issues, inequality, uh, you know, violence against women, uh, uh, not enough uh, opportunities for artists uh, and a range of other uh, issues. So I think when we go forward, then hopefully we would have used this period in the last, what, 18 months mm. to reflect on, you know, new ways of doing things. Mm. And if I was to look at a few, I think uh, the one is um, solidarity. Now, uh, I'm not a romantic, you know, things about the 80s when we were in the struggle at this great period of solidarity. Mm. Um, there was a lot of solidarity, but, you know... I learned about the importance of solidarity, the uh, mm. importance of supporting each other in very dire circumstances, like, mm. you know, in prison, when, not, when you're on the run, mm. and uh, when there was a state of emergency and so on. Mm. And there was a spirit of solidarity, not necessarily amongst the whole population, amongst everyone, but amongst significant numbers of people mm. who were there for each, for each other. And there was a slogan at the time, an injury to one, is an, an injury to all. Very mm. powerful, simple slogan, but so mm. powerful. That, you know, when people say it today, then it just kind of resonates with people mm. like ourselves. And so I think artists need to come together rather than mm. thinking about just ourselves and our own territory and our own fiefdoms and our own organizations. We mm. need to say that all of us need to start talking together, looking mm. at a vision for the arts, for the creative sectors, mm. uh, looking at all the different... Uh, art forms that are there. I mean, mm. it's amazing if you think 
I think that since 1994, I mean, we talk about the woes of our society all the time. We do enough of that. Mm. We depress ourselves to death sometimes. And maybe rightfully there are many, many problems. Mm. But what I've observed in the last 20-odd years is just a proliferation in the arts sector. Mm. Like, you know, we've probably never witnessed this in the history of South Africa. Mm. Uh, we talk about the 60s and the 70s and that, but that was confined to a small number of people. Mm. Now we have, like, you know, there's a big real dancing competition of, mm. you know, dozens of real dancers from the Kalahari and from mm. the Patel and from all mm. over. There's comedy. I mean, if you think about comedy, there were one or two white comedians we used to kind of hog the limelight 30 mm. years ago. Now there's like... Yeah, there's... yeah, there's, there's like everyone is Yeah, there. dozens of them, yeah. There's comedians from every walk of life. Mm. You know, Muslim comedians, Christian comedians, agnostic mm. comedians, you name mm. it. Uh, you know, comedians who talk about so-called colored issues, about mm. white issues, about white privilege. Mm. It's just a range of it. So, mm. you know, there's been an explosion. It's there. Mm. Um but are we harnessing it properly mm. and are we working together? So I think the first thing would be the issue of solidarity that we need to work together. Yeah, I need to All cultivate. Formations, we need to think mm. about how we can do that. I'm very interested in the, the ways that the new technology that's available uh, is, is able to support artists. And I, I, I've been very pleased to meet uh, in the last few months uh, old friends of mine, yeah. I'm not going to say their names, but uh, who are working on quite interesting projects. projects. One of them is, is working on a, sort of a South African version of uh, Spotify, which also, you know, is there to promote local artists. And hopefully I'll, I'll have him on, on the show at some point in, in the future to, to talk about it once is ready to actually reveal what he's, what he's been doing. And um, uh, an, another friend who's also busy on a similar similar project, but for uh, sort of, let's say, a niche within yeah. within the music industry. And um, and so I've been very pleased to see how, how they are, you know, not it's not a, it's not co- a copycatting because the thing is that the music is unique to South Africa, you know, and, and 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 so yeah, that's been very very good. So hopefully, hopefully we can make introductions at some point and sure. see see where things can go from yeah. there. Mm. Um, yeah, so I want to play. Um, uh, oh, after before I forget, uh, in the next uh, show after the show, um, that after the critical dialogues uh, is going to be Noel Daniels, uh, the community champions, and he's going to be uh, speaking to a, a community champion, Howard Johnson. Uh, is going to be his guest uh, at nine o'clock once we are done here, and so Noel is uh, is going to be he's the CEO of Cornerstone Institute, and for the next hour between nine and ten, he will be taking us into the life and the struggles and the victories and the experience of uh, someone who has been um, in the community. Uh, in the space of uh, community development, education, and uh, also tourism, and, and lots of other things, and that's Howard Johnson. Right now, we're going to take a, a break, another music break, uh, with uh, a song called Tamali Mak, which is a uh, a song by Amr Dab. Yeah. Amr, Amr Diab. Yeah. That, yes, that was your suggestion. Yes, um, yes. Uh, can you tell us a bit, a bit about that song? It's an Egyptian popular singer. And, and we mm. just came across a song. It's a love song. And, yeah. 
it's very, very popular in the Arab world. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, the big thing about, it's not about necessarily about Ahmadiyya, but I kind of, uh, you know, you sometimes you learn late in life that you know nothing. You know, Johnny Nash said, the more I find out, the less I know. Mm. And one of the things I learned when I was in the Spanish world, that there's so much music that we just don't know about. Mm. And then I started looking at other forms of music in India and so on, and started listening, you know, because mm. we're kind of exposed to a particular genre of music in a particular part of the world. Mm. And so uh, we came across this. Brilliant. And my wife, Kay, particularly likes it. Mm-hmm. She sings along with it in Arabic. Mansour Jaffa, who is in the studio with me. Uh, and we are talking this evening on the Cornerstone Critical Dialogues about the arts and how artists, uh, musical artists, performing artists, uh, have been surviving lockdown. And uh, I mean, even uh, if you're in any kind of sort of creative endeavor, uh, you would know that your work has really suffered or you've, you haven't been able to do the things that you normally would have done. Shows, institutions have, have gone under. And now is really the time, uh, now that things are opening up, uh, if you are at home and you uh, want to uh, entertain or be entertained, you can do it from the comfort of your own uh, living room these days, uh, very easy with the technology that we have. Uh, but if you want to go out and socialize and you feel comfortable and, and safe enough to do that, then then please do. There are many institutions like the Baxter, like Artscape that are coming back to life after months of, of uh being closed or being, you know, stop, start uh, sort of, sort of, uh, seasons and sessions. And so God, they've gone to the, the, the websites and see what's happening and, 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 and show your support for this very critical, uh, sector of our society. Um, back to the studio. Yes. In front of me, I have Maya Spector, Colin Durries, and Mansoor Jaffa, uh, all three who are very active uh, in the world of the arts as uh, practitioners, um, playing music, playing instruments, singing, and also as uh, patrons, supporters, um, and uh, people who really uh, want to see artists uh, progress in South Africa and in the Western Cape, I would guess. We were just talking now about the fact that uh, South Africa, uh, South Africans tend to be, we, we are quite limited in our tastes. Uh, and um, I want to talk here yeah, maybe uh, uh, about the the responsibility sometimes of uh, of the media, the media sector, which which often doesn't expose us to the arts sufficiently or to a sufficiently wide range of the arts. Um, um, Mansoor, as, as, as a journalist, I mean, how, how do you see things uh, now, especially when it comes to the question of media? I mean, I remember being working at the Cape Times for the top of the Times and uh, reviewing plays and, and music and theater and dance, uh, even at the time, and, and, and movies. But it seems, uh, it seems to me that a, a lot of, uh, particularly newspapers, are, are really, uh, have, have sort of become mostly a- advertorial vehicles. You know, we understand why the pressures of, of commercialism and, and that sort of thing, but uh, how, how can we change this? Uh, you know, what, what, is, what is to be done? Yeah, look... Um the media, we can't speak about the media as a kind of homogenous entity, so that's one mm-hmm. thing. And we have uh, many more platforms that we had at the time when I was using a typewriter in journalism, mm-hmm. and uh, where people basically had access to the printed media. They would sit with their newspapers every day. Now we have a multitude of platforms, and we should use it a lot more effectively and creatively. 
mm-hmm. uh, to be able to look at new forms of media and music and art and so on and so forth and expose that uh, to our fellow South Africans. I think mm-hmm. um, the artists have to do that themselves and then we should still lobby for for government to do that through uh, the education uh, sector. I think in schools we need to build uh, the art sector and expose young people to different types of music and genres and so on. And history is about arts and culture. And uh, how that's going to get done, I'm not not, not exactly sure. But I think uh, we really have to make conscious efforts to to kind of change the narrative around it. I think, you know, on some... I mean, if you look at Netflix as an example, you know, uh, for the first time, you, you, you're not just exposed to Hollywood. Mm. You can watch shows from Japan, which I've just watched now, a series called uh, Midnight Diner, about people who go to this diner at 12 at night and so on. Mm. You can watch Korean movies, uh, mm. Indian movies and so on. Mm. So mm. there is an opening up of possibilities uh, mm. to being exposed to many more uh, mm. genres and influences and cultural influences and history. Mm. Uh, so I think we need to use that space a lot more effectively. Yeah, more, more effectively. To open up. <clears throat> yes, did, did you want to say something? Yeah, uh, you, know, yes. you know, this is this is such a sensitive topic because mm. I think this is really where the rubber hits the road. Um, and, and one of those things is that, that if we do not have political will, and whether we like it or not, the arts uh, is in the state that it is, because I don't think our politicians understand the art space, right? Mm-hmm. I also don't think our regulatory framework is conducive to, to the development of the arts. And I've got, I have done enough work to, un, to, to be able to say that here today. But if you just look at, um, there was some crazy CEO of the SABC um, at one stage that said that something like 90% of the music must be local, right? And then 10%. You know, as, as crazy as that thing was, it was the right thing to do. It just the way that it's been done was wrong. You know, there should have been a phase in sort of approach. Your, your reality is if we continue to play American music on our radio stations and American movies on our TV channels, do you know what we're going to create? Just exactly that, that people is going to get used to it. Sometimes you get an old uh, or, or a new BMW and the shape is not all that good, you know, but if you go past it for a couple of times and you, oh, you actually start liking it, you know. And the problem is our people are not buying our own people's music because we are not playing it enough. We we are not, we should be playing 10%, that that, that ratio should be absolutely um, um, the reality. And, and, as as people get, I mean, if you look at some some other countries like Nigeria, I mean, these guys are hectic on playing their own stuff, and and why can't we be jealous around those type of things and say, listen, we need to we need to get our people to understand and appreciate our own music, and I don't think they do, you know, and until such time where we have political will to say we gotta change the landscape, if you look at. Um, if you look at the regular uh, regulatory frameworks here, and you look at the the, um, the amount of work that has been done in other sectors, you know, around transforming uh, those industries, ask yourself what transformation has happened in the arts. The arts are still looking exactly the same as twenty five years ago. Mm-hmm. Artists are still poor, you know. Um, the, the radios are still uh, playing the same music. Now we can argue it's for commercial gain. Mm. Tell me. 
Are we not good enough, you know, to be able to be on any stage with any world musician? I, I believe mm-hmm. that we have enough gift. Mm-hmm. And that's got a ripple effect also because artists are, are so despondent. They don't really want to create the quality that they can because why must they? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because it's just, it's just another uh, um, uh, song. And, and, mm-hmm. and I believe that we are doing ourselves a great injustice for not having a look inside of our political system or, or regulatory framework mm-hmm. and start saying, I mean, if you go to Dubai and you want to start a business, one of the rules there are that, that you need to have a local partner. That's just how it is. It's a regulated thing. It's now starting to open up. But if you go into deep Saudi, you're going to have to have a partner. You know mm, what I'm saying? Mm. So why are we not hard enough? And why mm. don't we have enough political will to enforce it? That, mm. that, those are mm. the type of things. We are you, way too you, liberal yeah, in, our, in uh, our views. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is you, you, you almost need a kind of a nationalism yeah. that, that is that is enforced. Like it's a very strong nationalism. It reminds me of um, <clears throat> what you just said now reminds me of uh, an experience I had uh, in 2007 where I, I went to uh, Gabon in, in West Africa. And I was there to uh, film a cultural festival and if you don't know anything about Gabon, it, it's a country of about 2 million people and there are 40 uh, different tribes. They divide into 40 different tribes. And, and I went to this festival and the one evening uh, took place over like a couple of days. But the, the one event where there were 40 different groups of people who came on stage to perform, uh, they were all from Gabon, but they were all from a particular ethnic group mm-hmm. in the country. And it just blew my mind that every group that came on was completely different to the one before or after. You know, the, the language they sang, the the, the, the way they danced, the, the outfits they wore and everything. And they were sort of just celebrating being who they were among other people who were also doing the same thing. And it was this amazing sort of uh, reflection of the diversity of, of this country. I mean, I think in South Africa, we don't even know. I mean, if you talk about, for example, the, the real dance, you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. something that came up a few years ago, but not, not a lot of people have even seen that, you know. And so there's, there's, we do have this diversity, but we just are not creating the, the, yeah, the platforms, I would Correct. guess, to, to, to elevate them and to, to emphasize them. Right, America is a, a, a great example of people that understand the arts and understand the power of it in such a way that they use the arts as the number one mechanism to market that country. I mean, mm-hmm. the music's all over the world. The, the movies are all over the world. And what a, what a way to actually just market your country. That's mm-hmm. what we should be doing. You know, mm-hmm. we should be taking our music all over the world. We can't even sell it here. And so, yeah, I, th- I mean, I guess what it, what it then leads to, I mean, you, you almost, I mean, America actually, if you look, if you think about it, is, is, is a country which has similar problems of inequality and, and poverty and all of that kind of thing. But, but when you watch the movies or you mm. listen to the music, it seems like this. Yeah, well, it's perfect. Yeah, it's this paradise, the yeah. land of milk and honey. Mm. Um, and so they've been able to almost change the, the narrative or the reality of yeah. how they're perceived, uh, in the world. Um, I mean, I wonder. We we obviously have all these problems, and but the narrative that that I think is out there, particularly after the events of the last few months, um, has actually it's quite negative out in the world, right? Uh, Would you say, Mansoor? At this point, how do people, if you were to look at it from a sort of a, a public relations perspective, if you were an investor looking at South Africa, 
uh, you would be concerned, I, I, I would guess. Yes, I would imagine so. Mm. Uh, but but coming to the matter at hand, I, I agree with uh, with Colin that uh, we need a good regulatory framework for mm. the arts, and we need to put pressure on the political elites to take the arts seriously. It's mm. important. Mm. But uh, as as a nation as well, we have to take the arts more seriously and in different sectors. Mm. Because uh, music and the arts generally exist in many sectors. I mean, if you think about church choirs and the minstrels and the Malay choirs and, you know, the Moravian brass bands and so on, they are there. And so I think the issue of solidarity is important that we need to link up and, and in fact, push ahead for this, these kind of regulatory frameworks and mm. for the political world. And for the resources to be un unleashed and also to look for new uh, creative uh, ways of, do of doing things. Uh, mm. Just as an example, um, uh, you know, during COVID, we, um, the one thing we realized is that we could reach new audiences. And so mm. that's something that needs to be looked at. And so we did a uh, United Against Racism uh, cultural program. Mm. Um, with other groups around the world and we reached for example Philadelphia where the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, movement is and we reached the UK in the city of London mm -hmm. and the occupied territories of, uh, of Palestine there mm. were people online watching mm. us <laughs> wow. and um, mm. so you could reach uh, you know Timbuktu or Vladivostok in wow. Russia Oh, this was uh, under the auspices of the Cape uh, Cultural Collective. It no. was uh, done by the Palestine Solidarity Committee, uh, mm. United Against Racism, uh, but we partnered with them mm. and we had some artists and there were many other artists. Mm. But uh, it made us realize that while, you know, there was lockdown and we were being restricted, that there were many other opportunities. I mean, mm. Suddenly we weren't the Cape Cultural Collective anymore. We were now thinking, but we can actually, we had people in Johannesburg as well, mm. in Port Elizabeth, in Melbourne, where there's a big South African, South African community. Mm. And you can reach anywhere in the world, including uh, Bodily Panchatan, mm. where my grandfather came from mm. in India, you know, wow. at the turn of the last century. Mm. Not that we did, but we yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, it's possible can. these days so, yeah, with the technology. Um, so I think there's a lot of possibilities that open open uh, up going forward. Mm. And I think the artist community, we really have to get, I've, I believe, really well organized uh, mm. as a unit. To take advantage yeah. of these. Because a lot of these things that we're speaking about now that Colin has mentioned, we've been speaking about for a long time. Mm. Mm. And so we need to go beyond that and really... Mm take some decisive action to ensure mm. that there's a future for the arts. Uh, yeah. um, because earlier I used a, uh, a figure about how much money uh, the arts generate. It's yes. Something like 63 billion it was a few years ago. And that's in South Africa. Yeah. yeah. But wow. now I wonder, Colin, I wonder uh, how much of that money goes to artists. A very small mm. percentage. Yeah, so that's what... Mm. So mm. then you have to look at that. Uh, it's just one thing to say, I mean, I read this somewhere. Great, 63 billion mm. generated. It's, it's a massive amount of money. Mm. But where do those resources go? So yeah, where do they end up? Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot uh, you, you guys would know that, uh, I mean, everyone, you always hear these terrible stories about artists dying in, in poverty and they, you know, they, they're, in their lives they've been sort of lauded as, you know, uh, held up as, 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 you know, they, they are our, 
are cultural heroes, but uh, in reality, they 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 have nothing back home, or they yeah. How do we solve that that problem, Colin? Man, we've got a lot of work to do in this yeah. country. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a lot of work to do. But um, and I'll answer that now. But uh, but Mansoor is saying, and here's a typical example. You you have the Cape Town um, International Jazz Festival, which mm. is I don't think it's it's anymore. But but to quantify those numbers, I mean, if it's the arts that bring a festival like that together. And it's the artists that go home with the least of money. It's the people that sell the alcohol and the people that organize the events and the venues and the, you know, the people that sell the food. Those are the people that actually make the money, but it's the arts that actually bring all of that together. And, mm. and, and again, we don't understand um, the, the power of the arts and we're not harnessing that. Um, to its full capacity. And sadly, you're saying that our heroes are dying poor because um, if you look at, um, again, how other sectors have organized themselves, um, if you look at BEE, which is supposed to be one of the, or triple BEE um, components in this country, uh, regulatory uh, um, sort of frameworks to help to transform, um, you know, the sector, show me any organization that can say that, listen, Artists has actually benefited from from it because there is just absolutely zero, nothing happening. There's no uh, budget. I mean, we've seen how how the artists went to go sit in the office of the minister. How um, 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 really terrible they have been treated. You know what I'm saying? And and that tells you um, about what's happening um, in in. I don't even want to go to deep rural um, uh, South Africa and and how people are struggling there. It's, it's mm. just crazy. But the reality is how artists have got absolutely nothing but the gig that they're performing at, you know, to pay them. There's absolutely, there's no pension fund, there's no medical support, there's absolutely nothing. And we've seen how the Department of Arts and Culture was completely unprepared in any way. I mean, they didn't even know how to distribute the little bit of money that they got from the fiscus. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That, that that was messed up. And mm. so, so we've got lots and lots and lots of work. I'm, I'm, I'm doing some work in that space to see how we can, can organize oh, that a, a lot more better. But like I said, we've got, we've got, um, uh, lots of work to do. But for now, the artists, unfortunately, in the absence of, of, of a solid regulatory framework, need to take responsibility for themselves, mm. you know. And, and the question is, so what do they do uh, to be able to do that? And, and one of those things is um, artists need to start saying, listen, let me start thinking differently. I can't be doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result, mm. right? So what are the things that we need? We need to develop different streams of income. Let me empower myself with knowledge. You know what I'm saying? That's mm. what I'm saying is anybody that comes out of this COVID experience um, and, and has not been changed, then you must just close your doors. You know what mm. I'm saying? Mm. Um, and, and we need to look at ourselves as a brand and say, how do we build this brand? Mm. And it doesn't matter if you're just the drummer or the guitarist in the band, you are responsible for your own brand. You know what I'm mm. saying? And how do you, how do you sell that to people? Those are the questions that we need to, and, and our artists have also become so, Chilled, you know, that we're all competing for the same gigs in, in the cities, you know what I'm saying? And there's mm. only so many gigs. We, we have become so lazy that we don't take it out in the rural areas where people really want some mm. of the stuff. We're not touring our, our gifts, you know what I'm saying? If you look at America, I mean, these guys have got world tours. They tour all the time. The, the artists are hardly at home. Mm. Yeah, we want to go sleep at, 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 at home every single night, you know what I'm saying? And then we wonder why the, the clubs are paying and the restaurants are paying these guys, um, uh, you know, a pittance because, I mean, they're just, 
the demand is so big. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so if you can pay a guy 200 uh, rand instead of uh, 1,500 rand, why, why not? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think this is a critical thing that you mentioned now because it's, it's almost a sort of a chicken and egg situation. If you are an artist who has cultivated your audience and, and if you, you, you know that you have a following, if you go to a venue owner and say, listen, this is who I am and this Correct. is, you know, and it kind of gives you more bargaining power than in that situation. So that's, yeah. yeah. I always say to the guys, you've got to start creating your own gig. Stop waiting for somebody to call you to say, hey, we, you know, start. Mm. And, and yes. I see that's coming through. The, the guys are starting seriously to create. You see the farms, are all the wine farms are booked out because yeah. they book out the farms and they go. And if you have a following, that's the best way to actually, you know, start um, developing mm. uh, your, your brand. Mm. And like I say, you got to, I wish we can have an arts blackout in this country one day, mm. you know, where we just for one day stop all the music, all the movies, and then people realize how powerful because I think we're so spoiled you know what I'm saying mm. how powerful the arts are I mean we, we switch on the radio and the music is there we switch on the TV and the arts and mm. the movies are playing mm. and we don't realize you know that the people that the creatives that actually create all of that you know the real struggle for them to actually do um, uh, what, what what they do mm. and um and we need to start counting on civil society to start supporting that, you know, mm. that vision. I mean, we have campaigns in this country that says, let's save the rhino and let's save the panda bear. Mm. Uh, we, we need to run a com- campaign in this country that says, let's save our artists, you know, because they are all dying poor. Not all, but Fantastic. Most. Yes. Th- thanks, Colin. Uh, uh, sitting in uh, the, the Cornerstone Critical Dialogues uh, listeners out there, we are talking about the arts and what can be done, what should be done, what needs to be done uh, about uh, supporting artists in South Africa. Um, we are in the last 20 minutes of the show. I'm not sure we're going to have enough time to get back to Gail from Breda. Gail, if you're listening at home, don't be too upset if you don't get back to you. But what I am going to do is I'm going to play uh, your second poem. Um, and this is uh, a poem by Gail from Breda, who was with us earlier on and uh, is a a uh, big champion of poetry and a, and a big supporter of the arts. Um, and listen to this. Answers are not always apparent. Not always at our fingertips. Sometimes are hidden in the haystack. Lost in the mayhem. At times we feel hopeless. Seeking answers for our helplessness. There come a time when the lack of answers leave us in pure darkness. No matter how hard we try to keep afloat. And so we continue to breathe one day at a time. Sometimes one minute at a time until the answers become clearer. For today's despair is tomorrow's hope. We must believe. We must hold on. We must continue our journey because we are still alive, still in purpose. And our purpose matters most. 
Mansoor, are, are you perhaps uh, have you have you looked at uh, 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 something like TikTok uh, at all? Are you do you happen to be on TikTok at all, or any of you guys on TikTok? What, what do you think of TikTok? No, it's a very powerful platform, uh, but we do try and use multiple platforms at the moment um, mm. for for spreading the the yeah. arts and culture work that we do. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Did Maya want to speak to that? Yeah, are you on TikTok? Now? I'm not on TikTok, but I need to be Maya, on TikTok. Maya, you are behind yeah. the times. I'm a TikTok kind of person. Yeah. I've got so much content in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? You're yeah. missing a huge opportunity there, guys. Uh, are you, Colin? Do you... The only TikTok I know is the game that we played when I was a kid. Oh, it's not the same one. It's not the same one. This reaches millions and billions oh, okay. of people. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. No, it's fantastic. I'm a complete fan. I'm hooked. Anyone who's yeah. friends with me on Facebook knows that I, I post, I download the videos and I repost yeah. them on Facebook because it's absolutely entertaining. And the the sort of the level of creativity that people have have found or are applying to this 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 this, this tool, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're, they're making mini films. Like you can have a mini a film in like ten seconds, twenty five seconds, and it's a complete story. And so, uh, if you are out there and you you, are, I mean, I know we're from an older generation, and people look at these things with some disdain. You know, the kids are all you know doing their little dances on there, but but yeah. really, it's an amazing platform yeah, for creativity. Know, yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so yes, yeah, so 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 these are the things, and these are the avenues and possibilities. I think that uh, that the artists need to be investigating more more closely, because you know, if you, I mean, you could be in your bathroom and 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 do a little song and, and dance and talk about your show, for example, mm-hmm. and and you know. Thousands maybe of other rooms, maybe yeah. other rooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, so these, so, so these are things. So I mean, I expect Maya the next time to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find you on, on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, listeners, you're listening to the Cornerstone Critical Dialogues and we are talking, uh, we've gone from uh, some seriousness about, about where things are at and, and it is a very serious situation, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier on, people, people who are trying to make their voices heard and their, their, their grievances known are being manhandled in the most despicable ways by the uh, forces of the state. And, uh, and so these are not, not, not good times for artists uh, on some level. Um, uh, and so I think the, 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 the onus now is on people to become more creative and think outside of the box, right. you know, in, in, in getting their, their, their craft and their, their, their work out there and also their, their grievances maybe, Yeah. I think it's a really, really important time for, I think we touched upon it a little bit, but collaboration is where it needs mm-hmm. to be at this point in time. Um, you know, Mansur was speaking earlier about the different initiatives that the Cape Town Cultural Co- Collective um, takes, but, you know, these kinds of opportunities where we come out of a bit of darkness is really going to spike the level of creativity. So, I mean, hit me up if you're an artist. Let's collaborate. Let's do stuff, you know. Different types of genres coming together, different types of... um, you know, mediums coming together, doing all sorts of wonderful things on TikTok. Um, <laughs> um, but it's the time now to sort of spread our creative wings together and our educational wings. So um, the artists taking the initiative to educate themselves a bit more, a lot more about the power that they have. Because mm. if, can you imagine how powerful the world would be if all the artists took the power that they had and harnessed it? Mm-hmm. Amazing. So speaking of watching. There's a, there's a, there's a, <clears throat> there's a, 
uh, let's call it a trick on TikTok where you can duet with people. Have you seen that? I have. Yeah, where you if you the the initial creator, you allow duets to happen, and then uh, someone else in another part of the world, a complete stranger, will mm. will stitch a duet with you, and, and yeah. you know, and it's absolutely amazing what people Creative come up with. Yeah. I've seen that, yeah. yeah. So, yes, uh, changing the world, the arts, we're talking about all sorts of things uh, under the auspices of the Cornerstone Critical Dialogues. And uh, if you are at home and you are thinking about uh, what to do next year to upskill yourself, to learn uh, new things, uh, you should really consider uh, uh, applying, go to, go to the Cornerstone uh, uh, Institute website and look at the programs that they have there and consider applying. And uh, there's even one in uh, arts management uh, that is going. And uh, so you can learn how to take advantage of all of these things and learn how, what, what best practice is in this space. Um, and that's, uh, that's all possible. We, we live in a world of endless information. You can, you, I was saw something the other day where this guy said you can, you can, any job that you want to do, you can learn it in seven days with the, the information that's out there. You, you know, you can, you can go online and find it, watch a few YouTube videos and yeah. go to some course, the free courses, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously you need access to the internet, but, uh, that's, that's all possible these days. Mm. So, yes, listeners, uh, talking about all these things, uh, we're going to take a quick break now for uh, a little mini ad. Learn to change the world. By enrolling at Cornerstone Institute, you are choosing to join a learning community to change the world. We offer degrees, short courses, and certificates. Go to cornerstone.ac.za or visit our campus to enroll. Change begins here. Learn to change the world. Cornerstone is registered with the Department of Higher Education and Training as a private, not-for-profit institution. Ryan Fortune here, your host for the fifth episode of the Cornerstone Critical Dialogues. And uh, we're almost at the end of this evening's show. Uh, if you're out and about in the city going uh, to the, um, what is it, uh, the... First Thursdays, first Thursday, every first Thursday of every month. Uh, I'm I'm going to miss it for the next two. Well, the next the next one as well. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can change the the timing of this program so I don't miss it all the time because I I really love being out in the city and exploring all that's happening on the first Thursday. Um, we're going to end off now, Mansoor. Uh, I think I'll start with you. Are there any final words that you want to say on this on this matter of uh, how artists can what what needs to be done? Let's talk about that. Well, uh, Ryan, I thought that two hours is a long time to speak, <laughs> but now that we've begun, I feel <laughs> we probably need another two hours because uh, I think some of the points made by my friends and colleagues here is that you know there's work to be done. Mm. You know, uh, we speak about blackouts and about action and about collaboration. Mm. This has to happen in practice, and so how do we do that? I think that we need to consider that when we leave. Mm. Yeah. And apart from the collaboration and the solidarity, there's also support networks that people need. Hmm. Uh, there are some who can study arts management and go to Cornerstone and so on, but there are others on the fringes of society who don't have access to connectivity, for example, mm. so they can't even join online programs. Mm. And you have to organize then networks for people. Mm. You have to organize data for people. There are mm. all these things that uh, you could have cooperatives where you have studios where people can come, uh, 
can record, you could have cooperatives where people learn about Patreon and all these and TikTok and mm. how to visit mm. and how to do duets and so on. Mm. So there's great support structures that we need. Mm. And then finally, we, we have to look at um, funding models as well, uh, sources of income. Uh, in the Cape Cultural Free, uh, Collective, for example, very quickly, we've got something called the Circle of Culture, mm. where people contribute monthly um, or annually, and mm. it's grown to like over a hundred people doing it now. So we Great. kind of thought, you know, if we're going to do the same thing that we've done, we try to get funding from the lotto and the government and so on, then, you know, we're going to land up in the same position. So we've looked at alternative funding models. And then on the 18th of December, we're having a global uh, fundraiser. We'll tell you more about that. It mm. involves Brazil and maybe Germany and Namibia and South Africa. So different Brilliant. genres of music. Mm. Uh, We'll hopefully you can spread the word at some mm. point. So people can find out more about this on the Cape Cultural Collective Facebook page. That's correct. On yeah. the uh, on the website. And on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Mansoor. Maya, do you want to uh, encourage people to come see your show again? Do I you, do want to encourage people to, to, to see give us my the show. details again. To come see the show so that you can also support some other person's um, education journey, you know, mm. so that we can give an education to someone that really wants it and deserves mm. it. Um, oh, everybody deserves it. But, yeah. um, so that's on the 20th of November. 20th of November. Uh, please buy your tickets on Quicket. If you just look up my name, Maya Spectre, like Maya the B and Inspector Gadget without the I N. Thank you so much. <laughs> there you have it, listeners. Colin, you have 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I think um, my last word would be that. The artists are normally very good at their art, but not all of them are very good at managing themselves as artists. So I would really encourage them to start finding mentors, right? Um, business people that can, can guide them, you know, can help them, you know, to, to sort of market themselves and, and just speak a business and how, how do you manage that, that particular product or gift um, that you have. So mentorship is an important, you, you, you'll never understand the amount of value you'll find out of being mentored by somebody that's an experienced business person. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Colin. Listeners, there you have it. Viewers, that's the end of the show. Um, uh, our talking about this very critical issue of the arts and artists and how they need to be supported and how they can support themselves, empower themselves by uh, taking advantage of all the new possibilities that technology allows and and, and how they can make their voices heard and their, their art. We're going to have to leave it there. Hope to see you next week right here.